Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the AJ Bruno Show. I'm joined today by Michael Shermer. He's a psychologist, science writer, and founder of the Skeptic Society. Hello. Uh, glad Hello. to have you on. Okay, is this AJ? Yes, it is. So um, we're live and and glad we got that figured out now. Oh, okay. I, uh, I've never had to call a radio station to do an interview before, so okay, whatever. Okay, first time. Uh, but yeah, um, go ahead. So, so, so um, yeah, let's do it. Sure. All right. Well, I gave you your introduction uh, before you were on, so let's just dive into this. Um, so I've seen a lot of the programs where you've become something of a go-to for the more skeptical side of various controversial issues. Uh, how did your organization go from being just a hobby to what it's become today overall in terms of making your perspective so in demand? Um, well, I started the Skeptic Society in 1992 to provide a service to the media and the general public uh, of addressing claims related to science that mainstream scientific publications and, and media sources were not addressing. So these are kind of the fringes of science, the borderlands of science, pseudoscience, alternative medicine, and cults, and and conspiracy theories, and aliens, and psychics, and you know all that that kind of X-Files kind of stuff. We're, we're sort of the X-Files of science, you might say. And it just grew over the years with um, the magazines in every uh, bookstore in North America, and my, my books are... Uh, widely distributed, and, and uh, you know, we do a lot of media stuff. So there seems to be a demand that people want to know what is the best explanation we have for X, whatever X is. What what do scientists think about this or that? And that's that's kind of our, our wheelhouse. Uh, for example, I write a monthly column in Scientific American called Skeptic. And so I address issues in that column that other columnists or feature uh, article authors would not address because they they do more mainstream science and so I'm kind of on the the margins. Sure. So you started off just as a psychologist and started I guess branching out after that. Uh, what diverted you from being just involved in psychology, approaching issues in general from a very skeptical scientific perspective? Uh, well, I'm interested in, in particular why people believe weird things. That was the title of my first book, in fact. Uh, that is the psychology of belief. So uh, in addition to debunking claims, um, which sounds kind of harsh, but, you know, let's face it, there's a lot of bunk that needs debunking out there. Uh, I'm, I'm more interested really in, in why people believe bunk. So, you know, why would people fall for Bernie Madoff's pyramid scheme, investment scheme, for example, or why would seemingly intelligent, educated people join Scientology or or Jim, follow Jim Jones down to South America and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And it, it turns out that um, intelligence and education make a little bit of a difference, but not much. Um, it, it, it's largely orthogonal to the belief itself. That is, and, and if anything, smart people, educated people, are even better at rationalizing beliefs that they arrived at for non-intelligent, non-education reasons. That is to say, m- most of our beliefs are related to um, emotional needs or you know, moral um, goals that we have or, 
or our upbringing, culture, things like that. And then after you commit to the belief, you then uh, find reasons to to make it seem like it's really true, like it's good to believe it because it's true, even though uh, perhaps there may be no evidence for the particular claim. Mm-hmm. So why is it, do you think, that people will get involved in something like that? I mean, just recently I saw documentary on the Branch Davidians. They were talking to a lady whose some of her kids were killed, her husband was killed, and still all these years later, she believes that you know David Koresh, uh, that all these claims that he made were actually true, and it just boggles my mind that even afterwards, she still brainwashed all these years later. It doesn't make much sense. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things going on here. First, no one joins a cult. No one in the history of the world has ever joined a cult. People join groups they think are good, that are going to help them, help the world, help the environment, whatever. And it's only gradually that these groups usually go south. Um, Slow enough that um, the further down the pathway you are, the harder it is to get out. And even though you might see some signs, you know, sexual abuse or financial abuse by the leaders, um, sometimes even physical abuse, uh, things like that, they, they, they kind of get pushed aside in the name of a higher cause, and you hope it just goes away and that the good cause keep, keeps going. And, you know, by the time you, you, you know, get to the point where you're going to drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak, um, you know, it's, it's almost too late. Now, in the case of the woman you reference, I, I saw that show. Um, uh, the other effect is called cognitive dissonance. Um, that is, cognitive dissonance is when you hold two uh, beliefs at the same time that are contradictory. So, uh, And usually one of them has to go. Either the belief goes or the, the evidence gets spin doctor to fit it. So, for example, this was discovered by a psychologist named Leon Fessinger in, in uh, 1954, when he went to join a uh, end-of-the-world group at the top of the mountain waiting for the mothership to come uh, sweep, sweep them away on December 21st, the winter solstice in uh, 1954, that uh, they were going to leave all their belongings behind and, and, and leave Earth, and, and, and the whole United States was going to be washed over in this giant flood and so on. So he went to join them to see what would happen when you know the end of the world didn't happen, which, of course, it didn't. And uh, but But instead of... You know, going back home with their you know heads held low and, and and saying, well, that was dumb. Let's not do that again. No, they went back and doubled down on their beliefs and got you know recruited more followers and you know and then and then just spin doctored it to say, well, you know, this was a test of our faith. You know, God God uh, uh, spared us this time, but you know, next year it's going to happen. And you know, end of the worlders have lots and lots of excuses like that. The last thing that goes really is the whole belief system. It's very rare for somebody to say. You know what? I don't believe this anymore. You know, if it's if it's big, if it's mm. something big, a political party, a religion, some big deep moral foundation that you define yourself by, um, those are very hard to give up. Sure. Even on less than uh, a religious scale, for instance, before um, you know, leading up to December 2012, there was so much about allegedly a Mayan apocalypse and people worrying about that. What did you think of the situation around that time, and you know how how did you you know react to whatever you heard about that? Uh, the twenty twelve, um, yeah, well, that was kind of a fun one, really, because it, it was um, wrapped up with with some astronomical claims about a rogue planet, you know, which makes it kind of more sciencey than than religious or mm-hmm. earthquakes and, and and things like that. Um, but it was still grounded, of course, in, in deep 
traditional religious beliefs about the end of the world. Religions tend to have a propensity to um, make the past look rosy, uh, like there was this golden age that used to exist before the fall. And then uh, things have gotten worse ever since, but uh, good news, uh, the world, th- th- this part of the world or the, the bad stuff is going to end, and we're going to get back to paradise, back to this paradisiacal place where uh, we can live like it was before the fall. And that, that's, that's not just a Christian uh, uh, perspective. It's, it's very common. I mean, you hear, you hear this in political rhetoric all the time. You know, the, the last four years or eight years have been terrible uh, under that other party's um, administration, but, you know, it's time for change, and when we bring about change, it's going to be great. You know, so the whole America great again, make America great again, or before Trump, you know, Obama's, you know, hope, hope we're going to change things after the previous eight years of, of Bush and so on. That's pretty normal. Um, that happens in mm-hmm. political claims, religious claims. And the end of the world is just another version of that, that it's just a way of cleaning the slate and starting over. It's like a destruction-redemption myth, like the flood myths. Um, And there's a a lot of flood myths. You know, we're going to wipe everything out and start over. And, of course, people that believe it, they don't think they're going to be wiped out. They think they're one of the chosen few. That seems to be a recurring theme and cyclical, but I guess uh, people are going to believe that, so... Um, on the same subject as science and space in general, since you touched on that a little bit, uh, obviously one of the big ones has to do with extraterrestrial visitation. Uh, so when people say something akin to the evidence of that is overwhelming and can't be reasonably denied when you examine it, what sort of response do you usually have for that sort of argument? Well, the the evidence isn't very good for actual visitation. Um, so they they have to spin doctor that by saying that the the evidence has been covered up, hidden, uh, government conspiracies and cabals and hidden Area 51 type locations where the aliens are, are, are and that explains why there isn't evidence, or the evidence is what what's called negative evidence. That is something like how do you explain that weird light in the sky? And if I can't explain it, like, well, I know for sure it was a SpaceX rocket launch. There was one here last night, Southern California. Um, you know, if, if I don't have a ready-made answer, then then the go-to answer is, well, it's aliens. When, in fact, that that's a logical fallacy. You know, the, the U in UFO just means unidentified. There's lots of unidentified things that, uh, that go on in the sky. And most of the time, you can identify them. And if you can't, it just means it's not identified. It doesn't mean it's extraterrestrial or hidden cover-up government conspiracy or anything like that. So that I usually argue that, and, or, or they say something like, you know, the pyramids couldn't have been built by the Egyptians, therefore they were built by aliens. Uh, those are all logical fallacies that I usually point out. Uh, and that I'm willing to change my mind and say I totally believe extraterrestrials are real and that they've come here if you show me evidence, positive evidence, that is an actual spaceship, actual alien bodies, you know, not fake looking videos or grainy photographs, uh, but actual physical evidence that you could look at, I could look at, we could put it in the Smithsonian Space Museum and everyone could look at it, uh, something like that. And, and you know, we already have protocols for this, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, the SETI Institute in um, in, in Cali- Northern California, uh, Seth Shostak, I think you had him on your show. Um, uh, I he, did, yeah, he, he he and his colleagues have a whole uh, set of criteria for what they'll 
they will allow to count as a hit for uh, contact with an extraterrestrial intelligence. Something like what Carl Sagan portrayed in Contact of a series of, of uh, signals that amount to the prime numbers. Because we know that there's nothing in nature that would produce prime numbers like rotating stars or, or black holes or whatever. So therefore, it, it, it has the, the characteristics of an intelligence signal. And uh, so if, you know, if that happens, then I'll go, yeah, okay, cool. I accept yeah. it. So it's important to make the distinction between are they out there somewhere and have they come here? You know, I think that it's, you know, by, by logical deduction of the number of stars and planets that there are trillions and trillions of them, chances are pretty good there's, there's life somewhere else in the universe. But the question, have they come here, that's a completely separate question. And, hmm. you know, th there's no evidence for either one, but the, the first one has better arguments than the second one. Yeah, no, I can, I can see that. I mean, I try to keep an open mind on this subject because sometimes they have, like, those big press conferences where they'll have former pilots and officers and, and whatnot speak about their experiences, which it's compelling, but at the same time, I also want to see some sort of absolute proof. And without that, it's hard to fully believe something, I think. So. Yeah, that's right. And, and it's important to remember that when they do that, when they parade generals and policemen and sheriffs and whatnot, um, that, that doesn't mean anything because it, it's not that those people have – extra special powers of perception that you and I don't have, that they have the same brains and, and sensory apparatus that, that the rest of us have, and they're just as easily fooled as anybody. So nothing special about that. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of an argument from authority. Well, if a general says he saw a spooky light, it must be an extraterrestrial. Why? Sure. <laughs> it's a logical <laughs> fallacy. Right. So another area of this um, has to do with cryptozoological creatures like Bigfoot, you know, Lacus Monster, Yeti, whatnot. Um, why do people continue to believe in that when there's not any physical evidence to prove they exist? Um, I, well, I put this in the same category, show me the body with uh, UFOs yeah. and aliens. You know, just uh, show me the Bigfoot and I'll believe in Bigfoot. I mean, the, the idea that there's, there were other bipedal primates living on Earth besides our species, uh, we know that was actually true. Um, hundreds of thousands of years ago. There, you know, Homo erectus and Homo neanderthalensis and Homo heidelbergensis and, and so on. We, for, for most of our species career, there were other primates, other bipedal primates living in Africa, for example, in parts of Asia. Um, and even Northern Europe when Neanderthals and Homo sapiens lived simultaneously. So that idea is not preposterous. The question is, is it true? And once again, uh, you know, to name a new species in biology, you actually have to have a type specimen, an actual physical uh, organism that you can bring back from the field uh, and show your colleagues, take photographs of it, dissect it, put, put it in a museum, you know, publish it in a peer-reviewed journal article with photographs, and so on. You can't just come back and go, hey, guys, I found a new species. Well, let's see it. Well, here, if you look at this blurry photograph and if you kind of squint and imagine that you see it in these shadows, they're just going to say, sorry, dude, uh, you know, we're not going to let you name a new species. You have to go back in the field and get one and bring it back. If you have to shoot it, no. shoot it. <laughs> but really, that, that's what it takes, and that's totally reasonable. No, that's, that's what I thought, too. I mean, if there's really a specimen 
it would make sense to shoot it or at least trank it or something like Because whenever there's so-called physical evidence from that, it's some hair that turns out to be a bear or something like that. So I think that one's even less <laughs> exactly. likely than the, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, it's strange. I mean, there's a so, famous story about the great German alpinist, uh, Reinhold Mesner. He summited Everest mm-hmm. seven times uh, and has spent, you know, most of his career in the Himalayas. And he often heard stories about um, Bigfoot, well, what they call Yeti. And uh, one day his porters uh, came to him and said, oh, my God, we, we, we found him. He, Yeti, he's just on the other side of the hill over there. So he's like, oh, my God. He runs out of his tent, and they go around the bend, and, and there's a bear. And he's like, that's Yeti? They go, yeah, that's Yeti. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. So you you mentioned your, your book before, uh, Why People Believe Weird Things. And in that, you used Edgar Casey as an example of people believing in things without evidence. I've read and heard different things about him, and supposedly lots of people claim that in these readings he gave that he would tell extremely accurate information. Um, when you looked into that, what did you uncover that disproved a lot of what people would say about that? Uh, well, Edgar Casey's um, pretty old now. People probably don't know who he is, but just think of any psychic you've ever seen on television and it's pretty much the same principle it's it's there's a couple things that work here first the law of large numbers you know if you if you make enough predictions or statements about things you're bound to get some right just by chance there's cold reading techniques where you read somebody cold that literally you've never met um and you, and and you just throw out a lot of things and you see what sticks and then you follow the things that seem to stick and, and in this case the person getting the reading is actually doing the reading not the psychic mm-hmm. psychics just ask you questions you know what does this mean and and who is this please and that kind of thing um and it's it's like the the old psychics from the 60s and 70s like Gene Dixon who used to in January make like 100 predictions for the coming year and at the end of the year would pick out the you know half a dozen or so that came true and even the ones yeah. that came true were things like you know I see clouds over the white house you know well what does that mean <laughs> you know, sort of a, but it could be metaphorical you know trouble or literal clouds or or even uh, literal things like earthquakes you know i see you know i sense there's going to be a big earthquake in southern california well you know that's pretty pretty likely to be true yeah. Uh, and you know, so that 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 that's the kind of. So in science, we have to keep track of the misses, not not just the hits. So you say, mm-hmm. well, I, th- this person knew three things about me. Yeah. So what? I mean, in, 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 but how many things did he say? You know, if the person, if people have no idea how fast these psychics give statements. I've, we've actually recorded them in studies we've done where they'll, in a half hour reading, they'll they'll, they'll say two to three hundred different things. I mean, it's it's kind of rapid mm-hmm. fire. And then they'll get half a dozen hits, and the person only remembers the half dozen hits, forgets all the things that the psychic said that you know was not a match for them. Yeah, I mean that that does seem to be the case when I when I see things about that. Um, what about the one? I guess would be a big distinction the fact that someone like that didn't go out of his way to charge people or profit compared to most of them, which will use that as a means to do so. Well, I mean, whether somebody makes money at what they do or not is neither here nor there in terms of um, whether it's true or not. Um, I don't really hold that against somebody. Um, You know, that's how they make their living, whatever. I mean, it's a sign, it's kind of a sign that it might be, you know, questionable, but that doesn't make it untrue. 
No, hmm. the more important thing is is and it, it also un- irrelevant is to what extent people get help from it or, or say it's great. Uh, I mean, people say the Catholic Church is great, but clearly they have some issues there. Um, you yeah. know, our placebos are great. Yeah, but placebos are nothing. Um, you know, the fact that somebody got benefit from it, it doesn't make it true. I mean, I've heard people say Scientology helped me. Okay, good for you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it could be doing something else would have helped you even more. You just don't know. An N of one is meaningless. What we want to know is, you know, does it actually work? Is is it, you know, are the claims really true? That's what we want to know in science. So is there one outlandish theory you've heard in the past that initially you dismissed but saw enough evidence to convince you that it's real or maybe that there's some chance that it could be real? Um, well, I guess when, when I was religious, I was a creationist, so I was kind of surprised to find out that evolution was true. Uh, on other events, that the things that I've uh, changed my mind about, um, you know, uh, gun control. I, I used to be against gun control. Now I'm for it. Um, uh, let's see, other things. I used to be pretty skeptical of climate change back in the 90s. I thought, you know, it was highly exaggerated. Uh, but then there was enough evidence, and I started reading the primary literature that I changed my mind about that. So, um, but in terms of spooky things. I think there's things we don't fully understand yet uh, related to consciousness. You know, the so-called hard problem of consciousness that we we can't explain that qualitative experience, so-called qualia, that you and I have right this moment. You know, just being aware and self-aware and having thoughts float around in our heads. Um, you know, we don't fully understand how neuron swapping chemicals can do that. So, a cogent theory of alternate states, altered states of consciousness, like near-death experiences and dreams and things like that. I mean, we have some idea of, of what's going on there, but but not fully because we don't fully understand how the brain works. So I think that area is open. Hypnosis is, is a pretty interesting phenomenon, uh, kind of open to uh, some more research, I think. Mm. That, could be, that could have some validity, then, you think? Well, um, it, it, it certainly has some behavioral validity in terms of it helping some people uh, with addictions, smoking, weight loss, PTSD, mm-hmm. whatever. There does seem to be some research on that, whatever it is that's going on in there. You have to remember the mind is modular. It's, uh, it has, you know, and much of what happens, the brain is running, happens subconsciously. You don't even know what's going on, and that's good because there's a lot going on. It would be too too overwhelming to be aware of everything. Sure. So you've been interviewed and talked on a lot of these different shows uh, about a huge array of issues. Are there any particularly interesting programs that stand out or topics that come to mind that, that they asked you to comment on? Uh, well, it, the subjects vary greatly depending on what's going on in pop culture, what movies are popular or what you know memes have caught on. Um, so at the moment, uh, I mean, so let's say um, the 9-11 truthers were popular for a while. That's kind of largely gone underground now. The birthers were big until, you know, what happened. <laughs> Trump got elected and then mm-hmm. the whole birther thing seemed to have ended. Um, you know, so conspiracy theories uh, wax and wane depending on who's in power and who's out of power and who thinks other people have power. Um you know the vaccine, anti-vaccination stuff still is still is still around a little bit. 
uh, disconcertingly because there's now some pockets in the United States where some communicable diseases are roaring back because parents are not getting their kids vaccinated, which is really troublesome. Um, let's see, what else is, is pretty big? Uh, well, the God question, you know, is there a God and what evidence is there for God's existence and what do scientists think about God and religion? That's a, that's kind of a perennial uh, favorite. It's always of interest to people. We can't seem to publish enough about that subject, um, even though, in, including the fact that the nuns are the fastest growing religious group in, in the country, that is the people that tick the box for no religious affiliation. And now they're not necessarily atheists, but but they but they don't commit to religion, and that's a that's a good thing in my opinion. So, a couple of those. One with the people who are against vaccines. I think that's just completely idiotic. I mean, there's that's causing potential health risks for the population at large, and probably it should be illegal in most cases. I mean, that the fact that people will subject subject their kids to that and whatnot. That I don't understand at all. Um, or, or if, you know. if you don't, if, if you don't vaccinate your kid, then your kid can't go to public school. Yeah, that would be yeah, an, that, another that, way to deal with it. One too, for sure. Yeah, and with the with the truthers, that's probably one of the ones that I think is, is just the dumbest of them all. I mean, there's the claims about how <laughs> yeah. fire can't melt. Yeah, fire can't melt steel, and and it's just it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, the, the the most obvious inconsistency with the 9-11 truthers claim is is the, what's called the fallacy of conjunction, the conjunction fallacy, that that is the probability of two things happening that are independent of each other are always going to be less than either one of the independent uh, variables happening. So in this case, we, we know 100% sure that the airplanes hit the World Trade Center buildings. We saw it. Everyone saw it. Um, including live, not just videotape, but live, and and we're now then told to believe that uh, explosive devices were also planted in the buildings, in the very locations, on the exact floors, at the correct slant that the planes hit the buildings, because that's where the collapse began, right where the planes hit. Um, that's impossible. There's no way that those two could be more likely than just the one, and we know the one happened. Planes hit the building, so. That's the end of all 9-11 truth. That's all you need to know. You don't have to know about thermite and secret super thermite or any of these other <laughs> wacky theories about the speed at which buildings fall. I mean, people get these crazy ideas like, uh, you know, it's not normal for buildings to fall like that. What do you know about collapsing buildings? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, I mean, yeah. people just, they just, they have these ideas in their head of what, what the way something should be. Um, you know, they, but they don't know anything about it. These are probably the same people who think the Earth is flat, and for them, I wonder why don't they just keep sailing until they get to the end to prove their theory? But, That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Well, I mean, yeah, the the flat earthers have made something of a comeback, and they now have members all over the globe. Uh-huh. Yeah. That I mean, of all of them, I think that one's probably at the top. I, I, I'm almost speechless when I'm thinking of a theory like that because it's it's beyond ridiculous. So. Yep. Yep. That's right. And uh, the uh, one more I wanted to mention before we get to a final question or two, I find this one personally the most insulting. There are still people who insist that we didn't go to the moon, claim it was a hoax. Um, 
what do you usually say in response to that? Um, well, you say nothing because it's it's so absurd. But yeah, uh, I mean the alternative theory of what it would take to stage a fake moon landing um, is more improbable than actually going to the moon. There's there's some funny spoof videos on this. Um, uh, I, I forget the name of the the two guys, the British comedians that did this, where they they were talking about how they were going to fake the moon landing, and then the troubleshooter says, well. Uh, you know, people are going to ask us how we got to the moon, and we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to show them the rocket that we that they went in. So we're going to have to build this huge rocket, and so, and then we're going to have to feed the whole uh, production crew and the film crew and all that stuff. And you know, pretty soon it's going to be more expensive than the actual going to the moon. It was kind of funny. Um, but again, just just the, 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 for a conspiracy theory to be true, uh, true, tr- okay, a, a sort of baloney detection test of, of a conspiracy theory is how many people have to be involved. The more people that have to be involved for to, to work, the less likely it is to be true. Or the more elements that have to come together just perfectly, the less likely it is to be true. You know, the grander it is in scale, uh, the less likely it is to be true. You know, I mean, we know CEOs and, and stock traders, you know, they, they, they have insider trading. They, they cheat the IRS a little bit. We know politicians... Uh, you know, shade the truth. We know that some politicians actually even t- use campaign money for home financing or whatever. You know, those are kind of conspiracies, but those are normal. That goes on a lot. But, you know, that mm-hmm. the idea that, you know, somebody wants to take over the world or run, you know, govern the entire world economy. I mean, these things are too big. You know, it's just not how the world works. No, no. Although sometimes in certain things, these theories can be true. For instance, I know you used to be a competitive cyclist, and so if people were saying Lance Armstrong was a cheater, well, he was a cheater, so that one panned out. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, yep. that, that was unfortunate. Well, that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That, that That's right. Yeah. So finally, I know you hosted a show back in 99. This one I never saw. I've seen programs like this, but uh, it was called Exploring the Unknown. Uh, what was yeah, your experience right. with that yeah. one, like? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, that was kind of fun. I, uh, Mitch, Mitch Pelleggi and I were the kind of voiceover, and I was out in the field guy doing the tests. And, um, you know, we did 60, I think we did 60-something different segments. It was, it was a lot. Um, but it was kind of fun just trying things on myself. You know, fire walking, for example. I, uh, you know, I just couldn't believe how insane it was to do a fire walk, and yet how surprisingly uh, undamaging it was. I mean, I didn't even get blisters. Uh, I mean, you stand there before the coal, bed of coals, and you're like, I am, and I have lost my mind to do this for television. This is crazy. I mean, it's a thousand degrees. I'm going to get fried. And then you do it, and and you realize that the conductivity of heat from dead wood to your dead skin on the bottom of your foot is it's not that bad, and you don't get you don't get burned. Yeah, I've seen that done a lot. So um, I would assume it would be like that because otherwise, uh, probably end pretty badly. Yeah, that's right. Um, now, has there been any possibility of you doing another show? I mean, you've been on so many, I would think that would come up at some point. Um, well, I'm I'm working on um possibility of a of a series based on my book The Moral Arc. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, we'll see if that pans out. And I get contacted quite a bit for, you know, doing, you know, like a skeptics type show, but I don't know. I uh, all that's good, but you know, I enjoy writing a lot and, and 
writing my books is important to me. So uh, doing television shows is time-consuming. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Well, um, again, thanks for coming on. It was interesting hearing your perspective on all these issues. And um, yeah, take care. Okay. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. All right. That was Michael Shermer. Um, we talked about a lot of issues from a more skeptical perspective on today's episode. Sometimes I agreed. Sometimes maybe not so much. But I'm just the host. Anyway, uh, we'll be back next week with another program. And uh, that should be good, so be sure to tune in for that. So until next time, this has been A.J. Bruno. For the A.J. Bruno Show, I'm signing off. So long, and thanks again.